So if we wanna build more space for women and underrepresented groups, we need everybody to be in that work, not just women. Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. This episode was recorded live in front of an audience on Zoom where we're talking about workplace culture change and how you actually start to shift culture on construction job sites to make them more inclusive for women. The YWCA developed a seven-week course for male supervisors in the trades, and today we're having a conversation about the strategy behind how they came up with this approach, what it feels like to go through a training like this, and what it's like to facilitate it. This is a groundbreaking program, and I haven't seen anything like it before. I am so honored to share this conversation with you today. Hello and welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. We are so honored today to have the YWCA Shift Change Project on this episode. We're going to be talking about how men are learning to be allies for women in construction. And our guests today are Jeremy Tucker, who is the Operations Superintendent for Lindsay Construction in Nova Scotia. Um, We have Stephen Law, who is the YWCA Shift Change Program Facilitator. And we have Tracy Boyer, who is the Shift Change Coordinator from YWCA Halifax. Welcome all of you and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks, Andrea. So Tracy, I want to start with you. So you work with the YWCA here in Halifax. Can you take me back and tell me how the Shift Change Project came about? Sure. Well, as you said, we've been around since for about four years, since 2018, and we really wanted to explore how we could support more women to enter into the field of skilled trades because there are some good jobs with some family-sustaining wages. I think we also found out through COVID that this industry is actually more stable than a lot of other areas where women are employed. The YW has been doing employment work for quite some time. Our work is um, funded by Women and Gender Equality and also the Nova Scotia Apprenticeship Agency. Awesome. Can you talk to me a little bit about the work that the YWCA does? Because in the women's empowerment space, I know that there's a lot of programming that has been focused on supporting women but there hasn't been a lot of programming focused on changing workplace culture. And that is the angle that you took with the shift change project. I'm so curious how you decided to take that approach. Yeah. I, and it is actually a different approach, particularly for a women's organization to focus on um, men. But we came to this because when we entered into the skilled trade space, uh, there were several agencies doing work directly with women. And we don't wanna duplicate that work, we wanna complement it. And I think in particular, 
um, in the listening we did. So that's a big part of how we try to do our work is listening to what's happening in the field and having a look at where is work happening and where's there space for us to make change. And it seemed like there's a lot happening on recruiting and bringing women and underrepresented groups into skilled trades as there should be, and that should continue. But then there was a question of, is, are the workplaces ready to receive people? And what happens when they come and what's the culture like in the workplace um, so that women can you know, continue to have a good career and advance in their careers. And so when we started talking to men, uh, we did focus groups with male supervisors. They identified needing more space to sort of learn about this change. Uh, it's a very busy workplace. And uh, also um, some level of fear actually with the changes and it happening so fast. So then that led us to design a course and Steve was very involved in that in the focus group work and coming up with curriculum that responded directly to women's feedback and also men's feedback, but was focused on male supervisors and gender inclusion. I'm actually curious how you even decided to do focus groups with male supervisors and not start with women. Yeah, well, there's there's lots of literature and evidence around the barriers for women, and that's that exists nationally. And of course, you, you have to keep being in that dialogue and doing that listening with women. But we really feel like women shouldn't be doing this lifting alone. And in fact, in a weird way, we're focusing on inclusion, but we're excluding a really important group, which is men. And, and men occupy most of the leadership positions in the sector. So if we want to build more space for women and underrepresented groups, we need everybody to be in that work, not just women, um, and as allies and figuring out how to do that well. And it's complicated. Can you talk a little bit, Tracy, about the limitations of programs that start with women? Yeah, I, I, I would say less about limitations and because that work is super important and fundamental. So women still need those supports. Um, I would say, though, if we just focus on that, then again, we're, we're missing a whole group of people who actually really want to be in this work. And I think that's the thing that, um, you know, we really went out on a limb to do this program and to offer it. Um, and we did good work to, you know, design it. But I think what really touched me after we ran the two pilots was the passion that came from the men to be in this work in a way that we feel is going to have such a positive impact for women. And I think Jeremy will be able to talk a bit more about that too. Jeremy, can you talk about what it was like when <laughs> you were invited to be a part of this? Yeah. So we went, I went as part of the lunch sessions or breakfast sessions at Cannes. Uh, we sat there and we were asked questions. I, I think Stephen was there a few times, or the time I was there, and it was, what are you looking for? Like, why aren't the women there? And we didn't have the answer. All we said was, we're ready. We, if women are ready to work, we're ready for them. But And then Tracy reached out to us in the HR department and said, you know, could you come to this program? And I wanted to have a look for myself, thinking that I was pretty forward thinking and open and things like that, but also uh, find someone that is the same as me and put them into the program as well. So we picked a few people and uh, went to the program and glad we did. And the second program, the second part of the pilot, we also put in another two superintendents to that. I went in very open-minded, but thinking that I was, you know, already there thinking I knew that 
we need women and they're welcome welcome and that's when steven started talking i was like wow i'm not uh i'm not as open or not as i don't know what the word i'm looking for but uh i guess i don't know so there was a lot as soon as i went in the room i was like wow there's a lot more to this than what i ever imagined was it uncomfortable uh it was uncomfortable at first little bit because we didn't know like Tracy said it was an open completely open uh no the same thing you said there's no one judging anything and once we really got around that it was wasn't as uncomfortable some there were some uncomfortable comments for sure but those were needed to be made because you know a lot of people were thinking them there was only a few that would say them so uh it was definitely different but once we got into the mood like every morning we did it for I think we had seven sessions. So every morning, once you got into that conversation, it really started flowing. That's really cool. And one thing I forgot to mention at the start of this interview is the ground rules of ambition theory. And you talked about it, this discomfort is when you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the magic happens. That's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where change really happens. So I just want to acknowledge that you got out of your comfort zone and you're learning and you're growing and we're going to hear more about it as this interview unfolds. And the second rule you mentioned, Jeremy, is the no judgment. And it's really important when doing this kind of work that you don't judge the people that are learning alongside you. But even more important is that you don't judge yourself because feelings do show up. Feelings come and they, they, they make you feel not so great. And just recognizing that you can be in this place and we're going to hold this judgment um, because that's where you learn as well when you're not judging yourself. So thank you for sharing that, Jeremy. I want to go back to Tracy and just when you, when this project started back in 2018, you had, there were so many directions that you could go. How did you know that doing a course for supervisors was the best place to start? Yeah. I mean, I think like I, I mentioned earlier, it was based on the listening work and feedback we had from women, from male supervisors, and also from industry. And I, I guess that's a really important part of this whole thing is that um, what we were hearing from some of our, uh, the employer partners is, is feedback that actually tackling things like microaggressions is really hard to do, even if you have all the policies in place. And that's when we shift and start looking at workplace culture and what's happening on the ground floor. And that's the other piece that's challenging is you can be very progressive as a company, feel like everyone's bought in um, at the, the top of the company, but how does this stuff manifest on the ground floor? And I think like that would be really interesting, Jeremy, to sort of hear from you. I mean, the whole intention, it's a course that starts and stops, but the work never stops, really. <laughs> so yeah. It needs to be ongoing. And I think that that's something that also we tried hard to do in the course. And Steve was great at supporting folks after the course was finished with the translation of like action into the workplace, because it's it's if it's just about the learning and there's no action, then we're really missing the, the plot. I think if I might add to one of the elements of this program that makes it quite unique is that we didn't really know what we were going to do at each phase. Like when we said, let's do the focus groups, we didn't know what was going to come out of the focus groups because we didn't know what they were going to say and then what was going to be clear. And then out of the focus groups, it was really clear, oh, okay, guys want information. They want training. They want this. So it was almost like it was obvious and evident. Okay, let's put together a training. 
Um, then we do the training and then guys are like, we want more. We, we need to stay connected. And so, um, you know, that has spawned other activities as well. So part of it is iterative um, and without necessarily having a really clear roadmap, but just kind of trying to be responsive and see where it needs to go. And one okay. thing with you, Steve, back to like the conversation about having that open discussion at the start, it was great that when someone said those uncomfortable things that some maybe some of us were thinking, you would hold them the task and say, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. So it was a conversation instead of just someone saying, you know, something that everyone thinks, Steve would hold them the task and say, well, why do we think that way? Or, well, what did you do about that? Or so it was always a conversation back and forth. So it wasn't just one person being uncomfortable and, and going there. It was like we'd explain the why afterwards. So it was really good that way. I love that. So Tracy, can you back it up a little bit and just explain exactly, give us the overview of what the course is and also tell me how did you come up with this curriculum? Because I love how Steve said we started these focus groups and we actually didn't know what was going to happen next. So I'm so curious as to if you could just explain like what the course is and how you went about developing the curriculum. Yeah, and actually, Steve, if you'd feel comfortable, I may have you, uh, Steve was actually um, participated, like helped host the focus groups, but also was integrally involved in the design of the the curriculum. Um, So maybe I'll I'll, uh, ask you, Steve, to kind of highlight how like the, the different modules work and what sort of content we're trying to cover. So because it's, maybe I'll just say generally, it's about gender inclusion, but we also do uh, include intersectionality. We refer to that as differences and other concepts, but we tried to, we've, we tried really hard to kind of make sure that it didn't come across as an academic uh, course, but something that's very conversational and discussion-based that's about really lots of um, different perspectives and lived experience. And that's also some of the principles around the course, adult education and that sort of thing. Do you wanna say more, Steve? Yeah, what I would say is the program is kind of really largely based on dialogue and recognizing that guys haven't had the opportunity or necessarily, uh, or the training or experience in talking about these things. So uh, talking about issues around gender or talking about issues around inclusion. And so it was really built with the intent that facilitate conversations and spaces so that they could have that dialogue. And then they're practicing that because they're going to then the idea being that they practice that so that they can then go out and back to their companies and foster those kinds of dialogues and communication within their own environments. Um, but there were also, you know, so there's skill sets that are related to that relate, you know, if we say communication, it seems like very amorphous, but it's related to like, okay, how do you talk about the challenging and difficult issues that surface in, uh, in the industry around women's participation? Um, you know, the myths that are in place around, you know, women aren't strong enough, or women aren't interested in these uh, these kinds of jobs or whatever. And then we'd have a dialogue and, and we provide them with the information and the background. And then they also, quite frankly, provide it to each other because um, they all have all kinds of information and background and skills. So there's awareness and education, there's dialogue, there's some specific things about analysis uh, that they, so they can begin to see how things fit together and understanding that in a different kind of way. And then just really practicing, practicing talking to people and, and thinking about it and then identifying what's going on in their own industry. So 
you know, how might it not be welcoming? Like, what are the ways? What are, are there physical things? Are there cultural things? Are there uh, environmental elements and aspects within their own work environment that they need to think about? So in really broad strokes, those are the kinds of things that we talked about in the course. Yeah, and I can sort of talk about structure. So there's like six modules. Um, there's three hours a week in person, and then there's action learning assignments in between and reflection questions. And I think that's another, and again, Jeremy, not to sort of put you on the spot, but I'm, there's a whole part of this that is about reflection. So it's, and it's not just about what's going on around you or outside of you. It's also what you're experiencing and how your own view of the world and how you're leading um, with your teams and with your colleagues and showing up at work, how that's part of the change. So it's quite layered that way too. And I don't know, Andrew, if it fits with the script, but it might be cool to ask Jeremy a bit about like that piece of, you know, how, how did it, how did, how has it impacted you in terms of the way that you're showing up at work or how you're seeing things and, and, and maybe how that's different or what you've noticed? For me personally, I know I came out of those I know we said no judgment or anything like that, but I came out of there every day judging myself when I got my truck saying, well, shit, I, uh, you know, I could have handled that differently a couple of years ago or whatever. But when we come back to here, like there were some things that we talked about or for the homework, we interviewed a female in the, around us in the workforce, or you could have picked your wife or mother or somebody. Uh, I chose to interview somebody within the company, a project engineer, and we talked through these things and it's definitely eye-opening. Uh, with those things. And then I had to put it into action probably on the fifth or sixth week when we had, you know, conversations on the job site, not going, you know, someone's trying to fit in a female carpenter trying to fit in with those conversations and maybe it goes too far and that opens the door, but that doesn't make it right for someone to open that door and walk in and keep the conversations going that you have to stop that. So it was all about being the ally on the job site and saying, okay, just because those comments are made, you don't keep them going. Like you're trying, there was a comfort level there and you have to stop that. So as soon as we came out of these, like it was seemed like, oh, day to day, every time we learned something that was put into action that day. So it was a, yeah, it was trial by fire, but it was interesting. Was there anything, Jeremy, that you tried to implement and you're like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into and not, and really something going wrong? Not really. I think it was more of the, like making sure people are that you'll probably hear me say being an ally a lot today in this conversation, but make sure you're going to be an ally on the job site. Or if you see, like I put it to every type of inclusion uh, underrepresented, but this is towards women. So we'll keep it at that, but being an ally for someone that you see might be struggling or if they're trying to fit in and make some comments that, you know, you're like, Oh, well, but then also, you know, say, you know, that's cool. Don't worry. Like you don't have to say that stuff to fit in or making sure that those people are that afterwards start feeding into those comments, make sure you're the one in the room that stands up and say, you know, that's not okay. Uh, that's, that's the difficult part. Being the person to actually stand up is probably the hardest part. Like, because then you're being singled out, but it's very easy to do once you go through this program and, and you learn more about yourself every day when you did it. Uh, that's probably the most difficult thing. I don't think it's the people like integrating it into an office atmosphere, atmosphere or a job site. It's just getting the people and knowledge to say, you know, what is okay to stand up for that, or it is okay to speak up when 
someone maybe being picked on or not picked on, but maybe picked at because they're the new person or they're different or anything like that. So that's probably the most difficult part. If you are an HR professional or a construction leader, and you're curious about how you can better engage and support your female staff, we have some exciting news to share with you. Ambition Theory has developed industry-specific leadership training programs for women in line with the Canadian Construction Association's Gold Seal Certification Program. The goal of these programs is to help companies develop leaders from the talent that already exists internally. There is a war for talent in the construction industry, and engagement and retention are among the best ways to address this. If you want to learn how Ambition Theory can help you improve employee engagement and retention, go to ambitiontheory.ca and book a call with us. And now back to the conversation. I'm really curious, Stephen, if maybe you could explain to us, how did you support these people over the multiple weeks that you were together to take action like Jeremy is doing, to stand up and to have that confidence to be that ally? How did you take them? Like, how did you get them there? I'm so curious. Well, what I will say is it's not rocket science. Like, it's not that what we're doing is really just giving people a platform and an, uh, and an opportunity to be their best selves, which is what most people want to be anyway. Um, but there's almost like there's not permission to be like Jeremy did, like stand up, you know, because the environment maybe has been always appeared to most people in a particular way. And so sexist things would happen or, or discriminatory actions would take place, but not necessarily because everyone agreed or believed in them, but just because everyone thought that's what everyone else agreed and believed. So part of it is just putting a highlight and illuminating for themselves and hearing each other. They're actually hearing each other speak like Jeremy was in a room hearing his other peers from uh, the industry talking, say similar things that he was saying. Um, and, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, actually, we actually all think that we should find ways to have more women here. Oh, okay, that's different than maybe what I thought it was. Um, so it's really just honoring who they are, honoring their concerns, because the concerns are real and the concerns are valid and the concerns are, are tricky at times. And so if we were to be really dismissive and say, oh, I know you're really concerned about production quotas and you're feeling like if you have women doing the production quotas then that's somehow going to impact on your output and then how you're going to be seen by the company if we were to be, to be dismissive of that as a concern and say well you know that's not that's not really a problem um then then we we'd lose them because they'd be like well that is my problem that is something i'm facing so how do i work through that and so part of it is analysis and providing enough information so that they can see, okay, is that actually accurate? Can women actually do the job? And it's super clear. And they tell each other and they talk about, oh yeah, women were doing this. So we, we did this thing. And, and, and so then they're hearing from each other. And then you're sort of dismantling some of those myths and barriers um, with information and with experience. And so then those barriers start to be removed so that that doesn't become uh, a myth that uh, perpetuates and within the within their own company or their own work group. So it's it's doing those things like being honoring who the, who they are, their concerns, and then helping and supporting uh, and shifting. You know, we are guiding, right? Like we were very intentional about the things we were guiding them towards, um, but doing it in a way that that took them along with us rather than sort of using a hammer and saying, well. That's, that's sexist and therefore you're wrong. And if I had gone in and done that, the guys would have just like 
walked out the door, they would have sat there stone-faced the entire time and we wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So it's about recognizing the gradual shifts and helping and supporting them through that. I'm so curious. But I will say at times it felt like a boxing match. Um, <laughs> In my own head, like, what do I say? What do I not say? How do I, how do I support this? Do I, do I jump in now or do I wait for someone else to jump in? Yes. Sometimes I was going to, I was, when you guys were going back and forth, sometimes I was like, where's the popcorn? This is going to get good and just be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious about, you talked about myths and uncovering these myths. Can you list some of them that you discovered in this process? I think there would be, I mean, Jeremy could also name some of them too, because he was in the room while they were being shared. And But everything from women can't do this, women aren't interested in this, um, uh, women are only here to find a husband. You know, there's a whole range, like all, pretty much all of the gendered myths that we kind of exist in society were playing themselves out um, for people. Because they, again, for the same reason that they don't actually have a chance to talk about it in a, in a supportive and thoughtful environment. And so they just take like, you know, like um, Snapchat, you know, kind of like sound bites and reproduce them because they think that's what everyone else is thinking. Uh, when in fact, that's not what everyone else is thinking. Um, and so it's like giving people new sound bites and new understanding. I think also it's important to, to say like, this just isn't just in our workplaces. This is in our communities, it's in our own culture, and it manifests in the workplace in some of the, the ways that we see are not healthy in our own communities. So it's like, it's really about, yes, there's specific impact in the workplace. And you know when we, we hear this sector in particular talking about skills shortages and, and starting to see that actually the benefits of having diversity are huge in terms of even bottom line and return to the business. But it's like, I, and I think something that is maybe not apparent about this kind of course in training. So I'll just go back. As Steve said, it's not rocket science, but there are some things that are different about the way that this work is being done. And I think I'd say one of the things I noticed Steve doing, and Jeremy, you could correct me if I'm wrong, I kind of call it up coaching, but it's like allyship may seem straightforward, but it's actually can be quite messy. You can do it wrong, <laughs> you can yeah. mess it up. And I think if we shame people, so like, I think this happens in this sector. So women have had such terrible experiences. There is still workplace harassment. There's still horrible things happening. And it's, it's super hard and it's hard not to be really angry <laughs> about that. And so I think what we notice is sometimes the, the dialogue or the lack of dialogue between men and women actually, um, like it can get pretty loaded and it can be pretty hard to be in the same room sometimes when you've been experiencing such a lot of negativity and it's been building up over time. But I think like what Steve was able to do in the course with the men is like when some of those harmful gender norms would come up, it would be not to shame people for bringing them up, but to be curious about where is that coming from? And is that something you still want to buy in? Is it true? And so that connects to the myths piece, but I don't think like that kind of facilitation comes from Steve's background in working in conflict. Um, and I think that conflict is something that is going to be more and more present in workplaces as you get different people arriving. So it's like developing that skillfulness and some of those things around supporting it in a way that doesn't shame people, but of course calls people. So like, you know, sometimes you're going to get it right. Jeremy, one thing I heard you talk about once is like, 
how you can amplify voice. So, you know, if there's someone in the organization who keeps getting talked over, those maybe seems like a little thing, but if it happens all the time, it sucks. So like, you know, being able to be an ally in the right way or say sorry when you don't get it right um, and not shaming each other for it. So that's that's another maybe part. Yeah, absolutely. I, so go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, I also just wanted to be super clear that what we're talking about and what we're trying to shift are, are, are things where, we, where, where most guys are really interested and able to. And there are some really serious things that also happen. And I don't want to make it seem like we're ignoring those serious, like sexualization, the harassment, those kinds of things. Because we talked about those too, and we looked at those too, so that we could face them and go, this is the reality. This is what's really happening. It's not just something that you think is a one-off event um, on, in an isolated way, but this is a, actually a daily occurrences in some cases for some people. And so, um, so there was some face to front on some of that too, so that it wasn't just... Um, you know, sort of these, like, oh, let's just try to be better people. Um, it, it certainly was that, but it's also like, and there's some really serious things. So what do we do about those? And how do we as a group and an industry think about them? Yeah, there was two specific things that we did in that program. We, the first was we had the two women come in. One was a plumber, one was a, a mechanic. And they talked about their days. And the one of the, the female plumber was one of the bigger ones that, you know, you go into a room. Uh, sometimes someone came in behind and it was uncomfortable. Like, but then the other thing that really stuck out to me, Steve, was when we were almost done. I think it was February-ish. We had missed a couple due to COVID, but you brought up a list on a blog of mm. inappropriate things that happened. We're talking from January to February, and it was across Canada, I believe. And you brought up a blog of all these things, big issues that were still happening on job sites throughout Canada. And it just blew my mind. I couldn't believe, like we're, we talk about we're in Nova Scotia and we're proud to be, be in Nova Scotia. And that's one thing, you know, you don't hear about a lot of, a lot of that here, but to go across Canada and look at all these things that are just even being said or being done on construction sites throughout. I'm like, I can't believe this is still happening. Uh, those things really stuck out to me, especially that list of things you gave us, like on the second last like I said, it was only a month or two into the year and there was, you know, over a hundred things there. Uh, it was eye-opening for sure. And we know that what's reported isn't right. everything that's going on. And that's, that's what makes it tricky. And it's, it's hard to know what people come to a workplace with and the kinds of privilege that we have, unless we actually look at it and we think about it and we consider that and how we, uh, we interact. So yeah, there's definitely some heavy, um, heavy elements in the course, <laughs> Yeah, which there need to be because people have been carrying that weight a long time on their, on their own. And I think that's what we hear from women too, is the stigma. If you're the only woman there and how hard it is just to show up and do your job and the need to perform beyond what the, the standard is. So I think that's a lot of the stuff we want to change. Um, and this course is one element of that change. So I've heard that before a lot, Tracy, from from women in construction, in that when you're a woman, it actually, if you listen to the episode with Mara Nicolo, she is on the team, um, the Reina team is the first all-female condo mm -hmm. development. It's in Toronto. But one thing she said during that interview was she said, I'm on this all-female team, 
I am 100% confident in every single person on that team because when you're in construction to get to that point when you were on this team, you have to be excellent at your job. You have to be the best of the best. You have to have that really high standard, which is great that she's working with this high performing team. But on the flip, flip side, what you said is this expectation that you have to go above and beyond. You have to be 110% just to be considered on a level playing field. Can you talk about that? myth and is it a myth is it true i'm so curious about what conversations were had about that in the course yeah i mean i i think that that is very true even outside of construction is is that people who are not part of the dominant group who try to enter into that field often have to prove themselves and that's like that shows up in a lot of different spaces so i definitely think it's true um, and it's a problem. And that's what happens when we don't have a, a real good mix of, of people around us who bring lots of different things into the workplace. And also, um, there's some maybe unique things um, in the conversations I've been in in this industry where um, traditionally, you know, and we know even Stats Canada says that, you know, women are more apt to get into the field if they have a mentor or some a role model in their lives, a, you know, an uncle, a father, whatever maybe a mother, <laughs> um, who's in the industry and in the field because they, they feel like they can see themselves and make that connection. And a lot of men will also have also in the past traditionally entered with skills that they've developed over their lives. So they're, they're entering in with a lot of lived experience in a trade or in a field already. And so that also makes the baseline piece a little tricky when someone's, you know, needs to do that work experience. And that's why apprenticeship is so important. And, you know, um, employers sort of like investing in those in folks, because that helps level the playing field to a, to a degree, I think. I don't know, Steve if, and Jeremy, if you have any. They, uh, the level playing field, I think that was one of the things that I took away. It was probably one of the biggest things I learned was equality and equity. Like that was one of the biggest things that I learned. Like I go back to the book and we have this equality and equity where equality is, it's a, you know, a female's five foot five or five foot six, I'm six feet. And we both are picking apples is the example in the book. And I'm doing it easier because I got that. That's equal. We're on the equal level feeling, uh, playing field, but to have equity, you know, that person might need a six foot ladder and they can do probably better work than I can. But that was really eye opening because I always thought in equality, not equity. And that was probably one of the biggest takeaways for me at the program, that and then the power and privilege. Those were the two big ones for me. Uh, the power and privilege, like for being privileged, I never ever thought I was, I could go into my background and my upbringing and all that, but I won't. But um, I never thought I was privileged just to be born. Uh, that was a big thing that I took away from there. Um, and like I, Caitlin, actually, one of my friends that here I worked, she's listening right now. She sent me something. It's privilege isn't about what you've gone through. It's about what you haven't gone through. Um, and that's through, that's something from Black Lives Matter in Toronto, one of the co-founders there. But that was, I was thinking of how to bring it back to relate uh, from the way I came up and privileged and things like that. Because I never ever thought I was privileged. Uh, but that was something I took away between the equality and equity and the power and privilege things. Those were two things that really spoke to me about the program. What are some actions that you've been able to implement based on those two insights, Jeremy? Uh, 
just basically it's the allyship, trying to be an ally, being the person that stands up if you know something's wrong, uh, not, you know, if jokes are happening or things like that, you know, not being person to stand back and just smirk uncomfortably, but to say, no, that's okay. That's not okay. Just that's not okay here. And if it, if that you think it is, then maybe you're not fit for this project or fit for this job trailer or wherever you're at. We've all made jokes. We've all said things probably like, and we're not thinking what we're saying. It's those microaggressions Tracy mentioned earlier that you don't know you're doing it, but to just be an ally is the biggest thing that you can implement and know that we've talked about it before, but you don't have to do it alone. And there are people that have taken the program that we tried to stay in touch and there's, you know, talk of an allied network. So if you're having an issue, you can bounce ideas off people like Steven or Tracy or myself or anybody, because we're not all going to have the right answers, especially when it comes to this, because this is, I think this is only the start of the conversation. Uh, that's really what I feel like this is the tip of the iceberg for this conversation. I'm really curious about troubleshooting in these actions because I am very action oriented. Um, I love taking action. I love encouraging people to take action. But I know when you take action, it doesn't always go as planned. So I'm curious, Stephen, if you can talk to any experience from some of the participants who, you know, went all, got all excited, they went to their workplace and they implemented some, something, it did not go well. Do you have any examples of that? What's interesting is that, first off, what's interesting is that we checked in with everyone who's taken the course. And what we can say is that everyone did something. Um, so part of the course was they had to commit to something and, you know, they signed something so that then they would follow up, hopefully follow up. Um, and then we actually checked in like two or three months after uh, the course and just it was partially checking in, partially offering some coaching. Um, and what I would say is that sometimes people didn't do what they thought they would do precisely. And that's OK. That didn't matter so much. And they realized, oh, I ended up doing this other thing as opposed to that thing. Um, but everyone did something. And often they were, you know, sometimes, so I wouldn't say they actually ran into any problems, like, because they were, they were doing what they, they knew they had comfort in, and that they were able to do and able to realize, because some people have more abilities to do some things than others. Um, but there were people who were like, you know, some actions that people took were around speaking up. And sometimes that doesn't work out perfectly because you're like, I wish I had used the different words or I should have used this example as opposed to that example. And, um, but it doesn't really matter, that, you know, because the reality is there's no playbook um, on this work. And so really what we were doing is that kind of up coaching part is that I'd hear what they had to say and I would affirm their work or affirm how they may have approached something and then offer little tidbits around, here's another way to think about it, or here's a little piece of information that might be helpful for you in the future. Um, and so rather than like, so the way I look at it is rather than sort of um, saying, okay, you know, where did they have problems and where did we need to like where didn't we quite hit it um, or, or get it perfect? Is It's saying, well, where are we continuing to work on this? Which is kind of what Jeremy said, like, you know, now I did this, now what's next? Um, where else can I go for the next piece? And, and I, I always talk about it and I talk about it with my kids. It's like, you're not actually supposed to know how to do this 
perfectly the first time. If you're learning trigonometry, you're not supposed to understand it. Like that's why you're practicing it over and over again. And so that's what this work is. It's practicing and then learning and then you're building from that and you're getting deeper and more profound as you go along. That's really great. That's really empowering. It's just, I think it's, it sounds really different than traditional diversity and inclusion training, the design of this program. Yeah. And I, I think, again, I would give some credit to some of the industry folks who gave us feedback in the interviews that we did in terms of how to orient this work. So we were trying to, um, we got some feedback to say, when you mandate or you force people to do this work, they feel like they're being reprimanded or punished instead of inviting them in around developing their leadership capacity, developing them, their own self uh, to be skillful in this work as an investment in them, um, which has that ripple effect of impact in the workplace and among teams. So I think we had really good uh, guidance around, you know, how to structure and frame this in a way that made it relevant and useful. We have a lot of exciting things happening at Ambition Theory right now, specifically for women in the construction industry. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at ambitiontheory.ca so that you don't miss out on anything. And now back to the show. I do remember, Tracy, actually, I want to talk touch on this a little bit. When we first connected, I think it was you when I was I got so curious about the curriculum and you said, Andrea, a lot of it is social learning, social and emotional intelligence. And I love that you said it's about being a better leader. It's about all these ripple effects that happen when you are more aware. So I'm curious in either of you can answer this question. What are some of the ripple effects that you've seen from participants who have taken this program? Uh, so ripple effects in the workplace? Yeah, like in their leadership abilities, in their ability to influence, in their ability to build relationships, all of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think like Jeremy said, we're still early days. I mean, I, I'm still happy to critically question our work and to continue evaluating our work uh, to make sure that we are hitting the mark. Like I think the marker is a little further out than a year or, you know, and I, and I, I think what gives me hope is the response from the, the folks who went through like Jeremy, who showing up on this call today, making space and time to keep moving this work forward and influencing. Like, I, I guess I've been able to talk to um, several fo folks at a couple of companies and it's, I'm seeing it not isolated with one person. And to me, that gives me a lot of hope that it's like actually teams are forming around inclusion work and they're, they're, they are spreading this work out. And so our course is like one part of that bigger picture. So the ripple effects are to me when it translates back into the workplace. And then obviously I would love to hear from women <laughs> eventually to be like, oh, I love it. You know, like I love what this is doing for me in the workplace. I feel like it's a healthier culture. And I think it may be a bit too early for us to do a temperature check on that, but like, that's like, we're, we're trying to keep ourselves to account on that piece is, is this really having the impact that we want it to? And I guess I, I feel encouraged by what I see, but it's quite qualitative. I would I say it. that there are some metrics that we can look at. Like, you know, when, when people, we, cause we survey them before they take the course and a lot of guys are like, you know, when you say, well, what do you need? what needs to happen in your workplace to make it more inclusive? They're like, oh, not too much. I don't know. We're fine. We're doing well. We're good. Um, 
but after they take the course, they answer that totally differently because all of a sudden they're seeing things that they need to do that are different than what they did before. So, um, so the, again, incremental change. It's like awareness and understanding, opening your eyes up. That's a big, that's a big shift. Um, and then the willingness and openness to consider that you might need to look differently, be differently and, and act differently. And that's, um, we're, as, as Tracy mentioned, that will tell over time, but we know the, the early indices for us are like, this is having an impact um, and this is making a difference. It, it's gonna take, this work is like generational work in some ways, um, in some ways it's actually um, just, you know, getting enough of a momentum with enough people. And then you turn around next thing you know, there's been a change and you're like, how'd that happen? Well, it happened through design and intentionality, but. Um, and yeah. and companies are continuing to invest in the work. That's another indicator. So like, it's not a light investment. We're asking for 30 hours of time. We're asking for people to show up in person. There's homework. Like it's actually, we got feedback about that. <laughs> so it's not, it is not a lightweight investment from a company to do, but I think the return is high. And so I think the fact that people are, are sending folks again in the course. And so now you're seeing some companies who may have four to six people who have had this training. Like, I think that um, is an endorsement that the learning and the return for the company and the people is good. I do like, I wanna talk about that because that 30 hours, you're right, it's a big investment for a company, but that true leadership, that true inclusivity, that I guess that's the investment that it takes, right? You can't watch a three hour diversity and inclusion e-learning <laughs> and get results like what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, we'd say you can't, you can't skip over yeah. dialogue. You can't skip over being in an uncomfortable place, uh, which you, you don't always get from. And it's not to say there's loads of really good training out there. And we're not like, oh, it's our training and not the others. It's it's all of it, right? Like, yeah. so there's, obviously not everybody can do 30 hours. So we want to make sure there's a lot of different options for people to be in this work in a way that's accessible for them. Um, so this is one thing. And we, we don't think you can just grab one of the modules and then it's going to give you the same return. And Jeremy, maybe you'd be best to speak to that. Like, I, it was a pretty big investment of your time, right? It was for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, uh, it was great. There's, you know, it was an investment, but that's, it gets you to the next level. Like it was just the tip of the iceberg, like I said before, but I think if we can get more people through it, hopefully, I think more and more we're talking about the people that are already in the trade right now, women in the trade, but how do we get women, more women in the trade now is the challenge that we're going to have. And these conversations, I think are going to help that. Uh, they hear it saying, you know, we're, we're a welcoming environment or welcoming in the trades. That's the issue we have right now with all the aging workforce that we have throughout Canada. What are we going to do to to make construction where it was? Um, and that inclusion is going to be huge for that. So hopefully the people that are in the trade now will talk to their friends or their younger, you know, I have two daughters at home. I'm going to, I'm never shy them away from doing construction, but uh, I want them to do what they want to do to be happy, but also know that I've tried to be an ally for people to pave the way for them. I hope. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great industry. Uh, you know, you don't let one, one person or one instance ruin that. 
Jeremy, I love that. And I just want to read something that Caitlin wrote in the chat. She says, I work with Jeremy and I'm learning so much from all of these conversations. So that's another ripple effect that's happening um, at Lindsay Construction. And can you give some more examples of things that you've implemented? Uh, just when I, like for me, so part of my job is to go from job to job and help out and support the superintendents. So I go in and I look around a job trailer, make sure, you know, Back in the day, there could have been a nudie calendar or something like that. That's years even before me, but just things like that. Make sure oh, that doesn't sit well or, you know, you make sure you have enough washrooms on the site. And for right now, it's male, female. Make sure there's one there. But, you know, we'll go. There's a whole other conversation there as well. And also just making sure like the check ins, like some of the women in our office, the project engineers, project coordinators, I check in with them, I, you know, they come into my office and we sit down and talk before anyone gets to the office and make sure how are things really going. And when you get the conversation going, you can get an idea where people need support other than just how to do the job. Uh, but for my job specifically, like the job sites, making sure that there's nothing going on or when someone calls me saying, I have a situation that this conversation went too far and we stopped it. That's a good thing. But now where do we go from here? And I've, you know, also, you don't want it to happen on other job sites. So you take that, what you've learned on that one and bring it to a supers meeting. Like you have a meeting with 25 of your superintendents. And you say, you know, this happened on a job site. Don't get into specifics, but say, you know, we don't want that kind of thing happening. If something like that happens, I can give me a call. I can coach you through and give you my opinion and hopefully you'll take it. I love that. All right. So this is my last question. So every Ambition 3 podcast ends with an action that people can take within 24 hours after learning something new. And Stephen and Jeremy, I want you to answer this. So what can people do um, to start making construction job sites more inclusive? What's a baby step just to get started? Uh, I think for the easiest thing, it's not easy to come out of your comfort zone, but be an ally. Like I've I feel like I'm a broken record about the ally side of it, but be a person that's not afraid to say, you know, that's not the right comment or that's just check on people, even check on the women that you see on the work in the trades, in the job site, just say, how are things like, just be open and don't be a mouse in the corner. When you feel something's wrong, chances are your instincts are right. So just try and stand up. It's hard. And also one thing Stephen that I didn't mention before that you can also, when you're sitting in a room like that, you can kind of gauge who's uncomfortable, male, female, whoever, that you can, once you stand up, they're going to follow you. So you find that second person. I think that was part of the, part of the curriculum too, was finding that next person in line that they are, they are in agreement, but they're just not going to stand up on their own. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing, but being an ally, even if it's a small thing saying, Hey, that comment wasn't great. Let's, you know, have an offline conversation. But then as you get through those, then you become more comfortable talking. Just like at the first of this, I was kind of stumbling on my words the first time I opened my mouth, but um, I'm a lot more comfortable now. It just comes with practice. So being an ally for, for women in the trades or women anywhere, just make sure that you're supporting everybody. The best I love it. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you so much, Tracy, for sharing um, this story and sharing your experience with us today. And now Thanks. I'm going to open. Oh, 
You're welcome. And now I'm going to open it up to questions from the audience. So I know we have a bunch of people have typed in the chat, but feel free to turn your microphone on and ask the question out loud. We want to hear your voice. You don't need to put your hand up. You can just put your microphone on. Hey, thanks very much for the presentation. My name's Michael. Um, uh, a, a quick one. You hear about companies that have a policy that says, you know, don't hire assholes. How much of this would be covered by that policy? I think I need you to say more. Or maybe Steve, you <laughs> Well, what I would say is that policies are an important tool. But if they're the only tool you're using, then they're going to always be in totally inadequate. Um, and uh, for the most part, people want to do and be well. Um, and even those who are, you know, have different intentions than that, um, they'll fall in line if the rest of the people are doing and being well. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is like get everybody so that the norm is actually not having to deal with situations. The norm is the situations are good and they're dealing with them themselves. So you don't have the app. If you have an asshole, that they're actually sidelined. They're not the they're not the uh, the alpha player in the room. And so then, uh, if I if I may, how do you then visibly reward the behaviors that you're looking to encourage? I think it's stuff like this, or you have a conversation in a you know we do for I'll speak to where I'm at in the superintendent's pool. We talk about it in a in a meeting, and you name those people that are going above and beyond or doing. You know, some people are doing what's expected on a on a job, but if they're doing, you know, you see these things that they're they are being an ally, or they did, you know, we had uh, some apprentices from the offices of uh, the office of women apprentices on our job sites, and you know, we make sure they're mentored and we go through them. But when that when that program's done or that person leaves, you just discuss it and name them out in the middle of everybody. I mean, just giving them those praise goes a long way, I think. Can I also just maybe speak to Jeremy uh, in a really specific way? I hope that's okay, Jeremy. But Jeremy was super courageous in the course because he came in and he, after uh, the previous session, uh, you may not remember this, but the previous session was a little rough and there was some challenging going on. And you came in and started the next session with a story about something that you did in your workplace um, to address a situation. And so then I up-talked it. I like, I like highlighted. I put a, like a big spotlight and talked about it positively and, and said, hey, what are other examples of things people have done that just like what Jeremy did, which was awesome. Um, and, and then it became, that became the norm of the conversation rather than everyone sharing their horror stories of things that went on that they never, ever dealt with. But it was like, it became this, the norm of the conversation was, what did you do about it? Yeah. And I also maybe just, I don't know if this is even appropriate, but like, why are people assholes, right? Um, if we're looking to change culture and we believe in people's, that people can be good and that they want to be good, maybe we need to look at what's, what's causing that to happen and what do we each, what do we need? What are the different things we each need to be doing to change that culture? Because I just think that's, it's kind of part of the problem is like, you know, as a woman, I've been through some things in my life and I could brush men a certain way, but I've got to look at like, actually, oh, this is not all men. And like, what, what, is, what do I need to sort of kind of come through some of my experiences? And then how do we build a healthier culture? Because 
I would also say the workplaces aren't working great for men either in some ways, right? So this is about transforming the culture for women, for underrepresented populations, but also for all of us to have a better work experience and to have better communities. So it's, it's kind of bigger than just, um, yeah, that piece. Okay, thanks very much. Great conversation. We have time for one last question. Hi, uh, this is Melinda. I actually have two questions if I can get them both in. <laughs> um, so one of my questions was just, uh, you had mentioned the difficult conversations and I've seen some training where there, there's a lot of, you know, the difficult conversations such as bullying and so forth. And I'm wondering, how did you make sure that it didn't come across as you had said, like a hammer? So more making it positive and, and bringing out the skills of the people who attended the program, but not really just making sure that it didn't come across as a, a negative or calling everyone a bully. Steve, I think like, I think that goes to the equality and equity thing. Like, I don't know if you can comment, but when you would, when someone would come out and say, well, if I have this and that, I'm going over here. That was before we did the, the equity thing. And you're like, well, why would you do that? Or uh, you were very good at closing it down, but also having an open conversation. Like if we use the five whys. So why do you feel that way? And then when someone answers, well, why, how did that make you like, why do you feel the way you do? And you just go down to the root cause and then you get to it and like, you know what, you're right. Like there was no reason for me to think that, like you said, it's the stereotype. You get that first chest out, I would do this. And then you have that banner back and forth. And at the end of it, I think everyone saw what we were trying to accomplish here. I don't know if you can add to that, but I would, yeah, I mean, that's great. And I, I would also say that, like, the reality is that I, there is not a way to do this. Um, and if we gave people, like, the way to do it, everyone would fail um, because we're all so different um, in who we are. And so what we tried to, you know, what we encourage is people to be who they are with everything that they are and just recognize this is, these are the, this is the context I'm trying to shift. Um, what am I good at? Where am I helpful? What can I do that's going to be helpful? And when it's authentic is when it doesn't come across as a hammer. Um, when, it's, when you're yourself in it um, and you're speaking from your own passion, um, that's the place that people are able to hear you. Um, but if you're just giving like a standard line or standard word, um, then they're just going to be dismissive and it's not going to have an effect. So what we're interested in is real transformation rather than making sure we've done it correctly or whatever that might be whatever that might look like. I really appreciated the authentic part of that. I, I appreciate that. So the, the last question, I know you, you need to get going. Um, how important or do you feel it's important uh, having male facilitators and male leaders for the program? Ask Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, I think it was, sorry, I thought it was huge. Um, some people would say, well, why are you asking us? We like, we're ready for women to come in. Like they're not there to, for them to come to the trade, but it felt very, there was, you know, moments in the morning, first thing when no one wanted to say too much and you'd get that one comment and things would roll. I don't think you'd have the same with a, uh, a woman at the front of the, like at the front of the uh, room, Tracy would come in and she'd greet us and say, okay, now I'm going to get out of here so you guys can do your thing and talk and talk openly. So it definitely, uh, once the, juices got flowing it was hard to stop some of the conversations I think it 
Yeah. Uh, but it was very important. I think, I don't know if you'd have the same conversation if the, if there was a woman at the front of the, the room. I think eventually that's what we, we, we'd want is, is I don't, I think it's, um, in this kind of work, it's not unusual where you, you caucus a particular group to build safety. And I think that that's actually a good thing for us all to think about in inclusion work is what's the, the thing about safety and what that looks like to different people and what people need to feel safe. So even in a workplace, if um, it's not unusual to have uh, workplace uh, groups that people feel like they can fit into and, and who have a relationship and a shared lived experience and understanding. So I think the key is that we create that safety, but with the intention of trying to bring, you know, sort of men, women, uh, non-binary people, gender diverse people as well, because we're talking in a binary right now, but we're, we're really trying to, so women also need protected spaces where it's safe, but we also want to bring those conversations together. And that's maybe when Jeremy talks about allyship and the men talked about this a lot in their feedback, in our evaluation of not wanting to just be talking to each other. Like that's important to unpack some of the stuff that um, there's a level, some, some folks feel ashamed of some of the things that have gone on. It's hard to talk about that stuff. But I think it's really important that we're creating the bridge. And we saw that when the women came into the room with the men, it started off a little tense. And then the conversation, because it was safe, there was a facilitator, became generative. And, yeah. and naturally, like what the, at the end of the conversation, there was a lot of troubleshooting and a lot of camaraderie. And um, so we know it's it can happen, but it's the importance is that it's a safe um, and and sometimes that needs to be structured. Awesome. So we are out of time. Thank you again so much, Jeremy, Stephen and Tracy for sharing this with us. Thank you, everybody, for having the courage to ask questions, for showing up and for learning with us today. Hey, before you go, I wanted to read a review of our podcast. This one is called Excellent Office Pick Me Up. Great podcast to listen to while working and to keep your wheels turning. It offers thought-provoking conversations and provides great strategies to improve yourself and your business. Thank you so much for that generous review. It helps us get the word out about the podcast so that we can keep making episodes every single week. And now I want to ask you a favor. Can you give the podcast a five-star review and a comment? Thank you so much.